0: Welcome to the SOAR Community Network Podcast with your host, Malie Ponpadit. Here, inside our community, we help each other see, own, articulate and release our unique message and mission into the world. Uncover your gifts and talents, release your passions, own your purpose and let us SOAR together Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the SOAR Community Network Podcast. I am your host, Mali Ponpadeeth, and today we have Christophe Lafontant with us. Christophe is the author of the memoir, One Man, Three Hearts, Nine Lives. Christophe has been battling chronic illness since the age of six. Now at age 33, he has survived a peacemaker implantation, two heart transplants, kidney transplant, diabetes, liver stones, cholecystectomy, and tracheotomy. Wow, those are big words, Christophe. (laughs) He currently lives with an extremely rare condition known as myofibrillar myopathy, but he refuses to allow his circumstances to limit his positive attitude and quality of life. His goal is to inspire others to enjoy their lives every day. Thank you so much for being with us.
1: Oh, no. Thank you for having me. It really, it's an honor.
0: Well, I'm going to continue to keep practicing those big words because I know I'm going to have you back on the show.
1: (laughs) Uh, That's great.
0: Well, I appreciate your time. So let's start by going back to age six. Tell us about your journey since then and, you know, where has it led you emotionally, spiritually, mentally, today at age 33?
1: Um, I would have to say that as a child, I was always well taken care of. I was happy, Um, but I dealt with a lot in terms of my medical condition, my health, and certain personal insecurities that I really didn't share with many people. Um, I feel that I grew up always trying to be something that I wasn't and try to fit in with people, whether it be physically or just appearing that I wasn't sick. I wanted everyone to think that I was okay and that there was nothing wrong with me and that also included aspects of my sexuality and other different emotional things that I was going through. But as I went through various obstacles and suffered and made mistakes and learned, I found that life is really its something that we need to take advantage of in the sense of just being ourselves and being true to who we are and accepting everything about ourselves, including our flaws, whatever they may be, and trying to learn from that and grow. I mean, I, I feel like I'm always going to be a work in progress, but I'm definitely happier with the person I am now versus when I was younger and didn't know any better to t- take advantage.
0: So how, how does that happen, Kristoff? I mean, how do you finally fall in love with yourself, learn to love yourself? Um, through all of the pains and physical sufferings and emotional insecurities you've gone through, how does one finally um, sit here and state that I do love myself, I love my life?
1: Again, I think that moment of clarity comes with having gone through certain hardships and having really almost hit rock bottom in a sense i got to some really low points in my life and a lot of it had to do with the support of family and friends around me because when you're alone that's sometimes one of you know the most dangerous places to be because your thoughts can really get the best of you and run away with you but when you have people that are you can rely on for support and encouragement And they kind of let you know that, listen, we accept you and we're here for you. You then kind of find it in yourself to dig deep and take those feelings and run with it.
0: Now, how much does the mental fortitude play a role into the physical healing because you've been through so many different operations and surgeries of physical healing, obviously is um, a task in itself. Um, how were you able to really, every time you got the news that you needed to go, you know, under the knife yet again, uh, what, what kinds of, I guess, mental self-talk or, What what steps did you take to prepare yourself and to just continue walking
1: forward? Well, I have to say that very early on I learned that my mental attitude was everything if I managed to talk myself through situations and kind of reassure myself that things were going to be okay. I noticed that I did better when I was in a better mindset. So there were a lot of times that, uh, breathing was very important to me. You know, I would kind of just take a second, close my eyes and breathe through the moment and think to myself, okay, I'm okay. This is going to be okay. It's going to turn out okay. Like you've got this. And from then on, I would just, start to think to myself, okay, I can handle this one of two ways. Either I can sit here and not do anything about it and just endure in this pain, or I can kind of, again, dig deep and try and find it in me to push through. And, you know, the chances are that little by little things will improve and get better. And I also really tried to focus on the fact that all these dark moments would be fleeting. That this too shall pass, in a sense, and you know they you no know, matter how long it took to kind of get there, it always just seemed to turn out for the best in the end. So it kind of became a cycle. I would have good moments, then I'd hit you know another obstacle, and I'd have to go through that whole process again. So. I'd also have to say that accepting that it was going to be a constant process and that things aren't going to be good forever, but in the same respect, they're not going to be bad forever. So you just have to keep, keep riding that wave.
0: Now, Christophe, for those that don't know much about your condition, um, Can you talk to us and explain to us what that is? Because I know we're going to talk a little later about your foundation and how you're supporting others. But let's talk a little bit about what does your day-to-day experience look and feel like um, and explain exactly what this condition is.
1: Well, what I have is a rare degenerative muscle disease. Um, Like you had mentioned, it's called myofibular myopathy. What it is, it's a gene mutation in my DNA. And each type of myofibrillomyopathy, it varies. So the affected gene in my DNA is my Desmond gene. And so I have muscle weakness throughout my body, um, both in my limbs and internal organs. So that's where the heart problem presented itself at age six. However, at that time, I was completely fine otherwise. So doctors considered my heart issue to be an issue that stood on its own. It wasn't until later in life, I want to say around my early 20s, that um, I started to notice myself muscle weakness because I would trip when I would walk. I felt like my legs were really heavy when I was going upstairs. And so my mother, who happens to be a physician, she had me see one of her colleagues who's a neurologist who told me that I should get a muscle biopsy because she noticed that I'd had something called drop foot, which is where the ankle is too weak to pick up the foot, and that's why I was tripping. My muscle biopsy then later revealed that I had this genetic mutation, and shortly afterwards I went into respiratory failure which is why I have a tracheostomy now. Um, Since being diagnosed, I have lost pretty much most of the muscle function in my legs. I've started to now notice weakness in my arms in my hands. I use a wheelchair predominantly to get around, although I have my own apartment, so I still try to be active and use a walker to get around, Let's say to go to the bathroom or to go out into the living room. I need assistance getting dressed because I'm too weak to, you know, lift my legs up to put on pants, to put a shirt over my head. I need assistance in the shower. Uh, I need assistance getting up from a seated position. So now I rely on people more than I've ever had to need to. And that, I have to say, has been a real struggle for me in the last year or so. Uh, losing my independence was very, very hard for me. And um, having to depend on people and not being able to do anything on my own without someone's help, it was a very uncomfortable place for me to be in.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that and being very honest about that. You know, one thing that I did want to ask you about is your book and you wrote it. It's called One Man, Three Hearts, Nine Lives. And when you write a book, um as a fellow artist, uh, author myself, it's a journey. It's revealing, it's scary. It takes Indeed. a lot of courage. And there were many times when I thought, and I'm, I'm just wondering if you felt the same. Why am I doing this? Why would I put all of my stuff out there? And, uh, and I guess my question to you is, you know, your honesty and sharing, being able to talk about your experience, your condition, what you're going through in such an honest way. Why do you do it? And why is it important to do?
1: I couldn't agree with you anymore. It took me about three years to write the book. Uh, that whole process was very long, as you said. And I certainly had moments like that. It's funny you mention it because even I had conversations with my sister and my brothers who are more private than I am. Mm-hmm. You know, even on social media, they won't be posting as much or when they do post, it's very vague, whereas me, I'm, I'm more open, as you said. So they were kind of concerned about how much of our lives, essentially, because they were just as involved with my care, things that were happening to me. So essentially, I couldn't tell my story without telling some of theirs. And they were concerned about how I was going to write the book, And I always managed to come back to the idea that I knew I was not alone in dealing with these traumatic life issues. And being that I had dealt with so many, I covered so many different themes and different topics. There were sexuality issues, there was divorce issues, there was health issues. Um, And so I wanted to share my story And I told myself if I was going to do it, I was going to be completely raw and honest. I wasn't going to leave stuff out. I wasn't going to sugarcoat things. If I was going to commit to that process, then I was going to make it as honest as I could because I wanted to be relatable to people. I didn't want to come off as phony. I didn't want people to – I really wanted people to see that I had gotten to very dark places in my life. And I have come out on top and I'm happy and I'm still doing my best to enjoy my life. And I really, truly believe that when people read my book and then they see me as evidence of that testimony, that they think to themselves, wow, maybe I can push myself a little too and it's not always going to be bad and that they can get to a happier place. And I'm, I must say since writing it, I feel extremely fulfilled just by the amount of people that reach out to me and tell me that indeed my book did that for them.
0: That was actually going to be my next question. Uh, You know, what have been some of the feedback that you've received since releasing the book? And have you met others who have um, the same or similar condition? And what is their response to your honesty?
1: I have to say it's been more than I even expected. I thought that my book, I come from a small town, and everybody in our community, that's one of the things I love about where I live, is that the community is very supportive of one another. If something happens around here, everybody comes together to help out. So I kind of expected that my book would reach them, and that my friends and you know a lot of people that knew me, again... I spent most of my life hiding a lot of stuff. So people had questions, and they felt weird about asking, and they didn't want me to get into my whole history, but they wanted to know. And so I assumed that they would all kind of respond. But when I started getting reactions from total strangers, if you will, or people that I didn't know uh, emailing me or... Finding some way to contact me on social media to tell me that they picked up my book and that it completely changed their perspective on life. I mean, there are really no words to capture how I felt about that. And then, to answer your other question, I have met about eight to ten people in the last year who have been diagnosed with Desmond myopathy or another version of myofibrillomyopathy. And they all had told me that they went to the doctor, they got diagnosed, they typed in the disease, and my name was the first to come up. And it's like, wow. And they said they didn't know what it was. It's such a rare disease. They had so many questions, and they saw my book. And they read it, and each one has said, it's so nice to not feel alone. And they, you know, they'll apologize and they say, I'm so sorry that this happened to you. But the fact that I'm not the only one that knows what this feels like, there's a weird comfort in that. And believe it or not, it's we're not just talking about people with myofibrillar myopic that are saying this, but also other people, just people who are going through their parents being divorced. And it's just ripping apart the family and... They don't know how to deal with emotions with the mother, the father. Uh, it's somebody who is afraid to talk to their family about their sexuality because they think they might get disowned or that everyone's going to hate them. So it, the amount of people that have come out and reached out—that—that's something I never expected on that level. But it again it confirms for me that I achieve my mission in a sense.
0: Now, Christoph, the book really, um, talks about so many things. Like you mentioned, it talks about divorce and deep seated family betrayals. It talks about sexuality and, um, you know, your struggles with it. And then being able to, to share that with the world at age 27 and letting people know that you are bisexual. I mean, all of this is so raw, so open and so honest. Um, that it's very inspiring and i can imagine that a lot of people are picking up the book looking you up and saying thank goodness somebody has the courage to say these words tell their truth because now i can move forward with my own truth so thank you for doing that first and foremost because that's very important and the other thing that i wanted to ask is you mentioned that these folks are reading the book and they're finding inspiration through reading your story, through hearing from you, where do you draw your inspiration from? How do you continue to keep the positive attitude and zest for life?
1: I certainly find my happiness in my family. There is something I have been through a lot, as I've told you. But in the end, I think to myself, I was blessed with this family, and for me, that's just enough. Um, sorry. it when, when you have a brother or sister that we're talking, you have moments where I've collapsed in my room, and they're in here in seconds coming together, helping me up, Um, my sister who just became a nurse, you know, she empties my urinal. She'll help me get changed if I go to the bathroom on myself. I mean, this is like embarrassing stuff that it's hard to deal with. But again, when you have someone right there to help you, uh, my mother has been relentlessly supportive throughout my entire life. I'm, I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for my mother to this day. Uh, And now even my in-laws that have come into my life, my sister-in-law, nutrition is huge for me and she will cook for me on a daily basis. And already I see that helping me with my strength and my energy level. You know, My brother-in-law, he'll carry me up the stairs if I'm unable to make it up there on my own. And when you're surrounded by a support team like that, I just feel like it's almost impossible to give up. Because even when you just think you might, they're there to let you know, no, 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 we've got you. We're going to get through this like we always have. And we are going to keep moving. And I have to say, uh, that is the major source of where I find it in me to be happy. Because I, I realize... There's so much focus these days on the materialistic and the superficial in the world and perspective is really everything. If you can shift that perspective to realize that there's more to life out there than just what's at the surface, you you can find happiness. That I can, you can find it. Mm,
0: that's so incredibly powerful. Thank goodness for the angels all around you supporting you and you're an incredible soul yourself because again, there can be angels all around us, but if we do not value them and we miss the blessings around us, then we also can't find that happiness in our lives. So you um, have to give credit to yourself there as well. You're so open to receiving the support and I'm sure that they feel blessed to be there in support of you. Um, so it's just such an inspiring story. Like I'm at a loss for words, you know, just hearing just your perspective and sharing with our audience how to shift their perspective. It's quite extraordinary to hear. So as we talk about really inspiration, let's now turn to your foundation. Can you share more about the mission? Um, when did you first decide that you wanted to give your time and your efforts and your energy to support others and just share a little bit more about that with us, please?
1: Yes. I shortly after the book, I realized that I needed, now I had people's attention. So it was kind of like, okay, what am I going to do with it now? Mm -hmm. It was a responsibility that I had essentially taken on. And, um, in that same regard, taking my taking care of myself was a responsibility because now people were looking at me for strength and inspiration. And so and so I had to find ways to now use that and turn it into something greater. So I decided to start the foundation. Again, I come from a small town. So there was a local hall that agreed to give me a good deal on having a dinner. And being that I'm also someone who likes to throw events, I love a good party. I know how to put together a good party. I figured, what if I invite people to come out for a nice evening? We have fun. We have some performances. And people just essentially celebrate life that night. And in return, we can raise some funds for this disease that there's practically no research being held at this time and more and more people are coming forward having been diagnosed and they don't have any direction. So I've kind of taken on that responsibility of being the face of MFM, if you will, and doing what I can to raise awareness raise some funds, try and do research, find out which hospitals we can get involved to do genetic studies, gene therapy. There's different options. And so I just felt like there was more that needed to be done after I wrote the book. I couldn't just stop there.
0: And what is your hope for the foundation? Are you looking for um, support, volunteers? Let's let's do, the, do some call to actions out there for our listeners. What can they do to support you, your organization, and the people that you absolutely wish to serve?
1: Well, everyone can easily go to my website, man 3 heartscom And there you can donate to the foundation itself. We are always looking for volunteers for help. Uh, We have another dinner coming up in the fall. And there's a lot that goes involved with that. So any volunteers are more than welcome to help. If you have any decorating skills or uh, even if you wish to donate any raffle items or prize packages, things like that, we're always accepting that. So... Yeah, people can certainly help. It's We n- will never turn down help, that's for sure.
0: So where is the foundation um, event, your dinner, going to be? Because, you know, we, we have listeners from all over the world, so we want them to know exactly where it's going to be for those that can attend or support locally.
1: Uh, well, it'll definitely be in the Norwood area. Um, right now we are supposed to be at the Old Japan Manor, so... It'll be in the north New Jersey area. It's very easy to get to from across the bridge if you live in the city or if you live in White Plains, Westchester area. You can take the Tappan Zee Bridge. So they're different. It's a nice home base. And again, we would love to have you come out and party.
0: Thank you. Well, Christoph, can you share your final words of wisdom to our listeners who maybe just be going through some really difficult times in their lives and looking for some support and words of encouragement? You know, can you share some additional thoughts before we close out today?
1: Yes, I will say that life is not to be taken for granted. Things can always be worse. I have Fallen into the trap of not appreciating what I had when I had it, and the saying couldn't be more true. You don't know what you have until it's gone. Um, that goes for personal things. That goes for your family and other relationships that you have. Life is something you should appreciate every day. Make the most of every moment. It really—it's not worth it otherwise. And you do have a choice to either let it swallow you up and you just wallow in misery and despair, or you can do something about it. You can try whatever it is small. You can start out and make it better for yourself. You just have to really, really want to. And I would just say everyone should really look at the loved ones around them and appreciate them and just take advantage Take advantage.
0: Thank you so, so very much. Um, one more time, can you please let people know um, how they can get a hold of you, find you on social media, learn more about your foundation, learn more about you, and definitely um, go and get a copy of that book. I know that it's available on Amazon Amazon, and Kindle. Um, how else will can they uh, reach you?
1: Yes, uh, as you said, the book is available on Amazon and Kindle. Uh, my website is my home base for everything. Again, that's www.one man three hearts.com. Uh, my Instagram is one man underscore three hearts. My Twitter is one man three h r t s nine lives, and I'm also on Facebook as one man, three hearts. So that's it, I mean, you can reach out to me, um, messages, email, I, I read them all. So I would I would love to hear from you guys.
0: Great, well thank you so much for spending the time with me today in our audience. You have been a fantastic inspiration, a great interviewee, and uh, an extraordinary human being. Thank you for being my inspiration today, I learned a lot Um, today from you and I know our audience has learned a lot as well so I appreciate you for all that you do all that you're doing and uh, just inspiring how much you love life and I'm big on life too so we're but we belong to the same tribe and I'm so glad I found you and you found me
1: (laughs) me too me too Uh, it means a lot to me and I'm so happy that we got to talk and I really I feel honored again to be able to even have the opportunity to share my story. So thank you.
0: Well, Christoph, keep sharing, please keep sharing, keep soaring. You're doing amazing things. And sometimes we don't always know um, how far we reach. But I have a really strong feeling that uh, this is the stuff that legacy is made of, and you are already living your legacy. So again, thank you so much for your time. Okay.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Have a wonderful day.
0: Thank you. And everybody, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the SOAR Community Network Podcast. We appreciate you and we'll be talking to you very, very soon. Take good care, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Sore Podcast. Join us by visiting soarcommunitynetwork.com.